Welcome back, folks, to the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast. I'm super excited to welcome you to season two, and we have a super special episode for you today. We did a live recording on the Clubhouse app for the Hospitality Cash Flow Club, and we started the room with Airbnb A to Z doing a Q&A filled with industry titans, dropping knowledge, sharing gems, lacing bars. I mean, it was all that. So I'm super excited to bring it to you right now. So without further ado, let's go. Welcome to the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast, where you'll learn how to leverage short-term accommodations using multifamily and residential properties. With over 35 years in hospitality, real estate, technology, and sales and marketing experience, our hosts, Matt Anisis and Noble Crawford, along with an expert panel of guests, invite you to listen in as they share their knowledge, best practices, tools, and resources to help you maximize cash flow using real estate for hospitality. Well, go ahead, Brittany. I wanted to give the uh, all the moderators a chance to just do a quick 60-second introduction. Um, and then yeah, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind um, uh, starting with that and kind of helping manage that, that would be great. Yeah, 100%. That's not a problem. Uh, and I, looking at your list, I, I will warn you that we could probably spend at least an hour on each one of those letters. <laughs> so we might want to... We might want to make this an ongoing series or, um, I don't know, we, we can chat in, in, on Instagram about time limits, but it, it will definitely go beyond a few hours if we want to get through that whole list. Got it. And I, and I tell you what, because I appreciate you so much for, um, you know, for helping uh moderate my first room um you know if you find yourself if, it, if it's going a, a bit longer than you anticipate and you have to duck out um i completely understand um you know and i'll i'll try to uh, try to take the reins but uh i think we um we, we we may do a part two just for folks listening uh depending on how long it goes um, but we'll see how much we can push through uh tonight okay that sounds good all right, so thank you everybody for joining the Hospitality Cash Flow Club. If you are not a part of this club and you find this content interesting, please go ahead and tap the house at the top of the screen follow the club. That way you'll be alerted every time we host great rooms like this and you will see more rooms like this in your hallway. And for anybody who's new to the clubhouse, because I see we do have a couple people with party hats, um, this is a room hosted by a club. Today's topic is Airbnb A to Z Q&A. Um, we are recording this room, so when you come up the stage, just know that you are being recorded and you're giving your consent to be recorded. Um, if you have any questions, there is a hand at the bottom of your screen. If you tap that, it'll alert us that you have a question and we'll be able to bring you up stage. We're going A to Z through a lot of topics tonight, so we're probably not going to get to take everybody's question, and I'm going to ask that all the moderators keep their responses, opinions, comments, etc. So no more than two minutes, and try to limit it to like maybe two moderators per subject, unless you have something incredibly intriguing to share. Um, we're going to kick it off by allowing everybody to just take 
maybe 30 seconds to introduce themselves. Noble, of course, this does not apply to you because you are the creator of the room today. So take as much time as you'd like and just let folks know who you are. Awesome, awesome. Virginia, do you want to kick us off? Noble, are you there? I'm sorry, I had a phone call coming through, my bad. Um, so I, you want me to go first? Yep, you're up. All right, well, hey, everyone, I appreciate you um, jumping into the uh, premiere event for the Hospitality uh, Cash Flow Airbnb A to Z. My name is Noble Crawford, and I uh, co-founded a hospitality brand along with, uh, with my wife. Uh, her name is Elkie. She is up here on the panel. And, uh, and so we've been in the uh, short-term rental space for uh, going on close to four years now. But, uh, you know, we've had the good fortune of being able to, um, you know, create a number of uh, opportunities and, and units and, and build up. And now we are in the unique position where we're able to help students do the same. And so, uh, so I look forward to, uh, you know, just being a resource to you all tonight and uh and and answering any questions i can i appreciate you joining the room terrific thank you so much virginia go ahead and let people know who you are and what you do hi thank you my name is virginia coles and i represent a company called Paratop Sensor network we are a sensor platform company specializing in cigarettes and cannabis smoke detection noise detection and indoor air quality services thank you Perfect. I can't wait to hear more about that as um, our conversation continues. Kevin, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks so much, Brittany. Great to be with you. Uh, thanks for setting this up, Noble. Uh, we have lots of great friends, a really successful host on here. Uh, so excited for this conversation tonight. Um, my name is Kevin Reardon. I'm in the Philadelphia region in the Northeast U.S. Um, I have about 15 years of experience in the uh, vacation rental industry starting in 2005. Just as a side hustle for many years, just with uh, condos, townhomes, uh, and a resort destination. A few years ago, I left my full-time job in New York City to take this venture full-time. We started a hospitality company where we take commercial um, buildings and motels. We are converting them into short-term rental properties. We have two hotels. Currently, we have a couple more uh, probably on the way during the 2021. And... Um, you know, we're very passionate about the consumer and uh, the technology that runs our operation. Um, and uh, so questions and sharing Perfect. Thanks so much, Kevin. And Michael, we're, we seem to be in a lot of rooms together. Go ahead and let folks know who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you, Noble, for putting this on. Thank you, Brittany, for moderating. Uh, my name is Mike Trillivan. I'm based out of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I run a portfolio of 21 short-term rentals across four different states. Um, like Kevin, we're also in the boutique hotel space. Uh, so we've got one oceanfront hotel right now. We're adding another 22 unit in March. Uh, I'm the host of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast, and I have a mentorship and mastermind program. And thanks for having me on, guys. Perfect. Thank you. I want to acknowledge everybody has been so super, like, to the point brief. I appreciate it. We are rolling, and I'm so excited. Matt, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you do. 
Hey, Brittany, nice to meet you. Thanks so much for uh, helping us with this room. Noble Crawford, uh, thank you so much. And uh, my name is Matt Anishis. I'm a real estate investor. I'm actually a partner with Noble, and I'm just excited to be here. And uh, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Um, for anybody who doesn't know me already, my name is Brittany Rose. I am a real estate consultant in the DMV area. Um, and I love to moderate here on this platform because I want to make sure that everybody gets the most value out of the room. So I'm excited to be here and your moderator for the next couple hours. Um, so please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your name. Is it Alike? It's Elke. Elke, I apologize. Welcome to the stage. Please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Elke Crawford, and I am the other co-founder of um, Short-Term Residences. Perfect. And Will? I'm Flickers. Uh, I co-founded a luxury vacation management company. Um, got out of it. I'm a full-time podcaster and just started another company of partners and investors. So um, long story short, it's been in the hotel and hospitality space uh, the last six years, working with luxury resorts, companies like Marriott, and I've uh, been on my own for officially about eight, almost a little over a year now. Terrific. Welcome. And Kiara. Hey, guys. My name is Kiara. Um, I founded for the host and lifestyle rentals, um, tour business and Airbnb business. Nice to meet you guys. I will just say that I've shared the stage with this powerhouse woman so many times, and she has such a wealth of knowledge. So I was super excited to have her on the stage today. Oh, thank you, Brittany. I love you. You are such an amazing partner. I feel like everyone on Clubhouse knows you. You are so amazing at what you do, too. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Emmanuel? Uh, yeah. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Brittany, for moderating. I know it's a big job. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Emmanuel, but he has been in South Florida as a book at our own market specifically. I own 39 Airbnb units here. I have a management company in real estate team. And I am the co host of the CRC podcast with my brother Mike. And I help uh, mentor and coach people in the peace community. And I'm just here to kind of give back and share my knowledge. I've been doing this for a little over 10 years now. And uh, I am very fortunate to have. Founded so early, and I'm very fortunate to be in the room with all the three people that have learned so much from Thank you so much. And Brian is another gentleman I've gotten to share this stage with extensively. Thank you for being here tonight. Please introduce yourself. Thanks so much, Noble, for having the room, and Brittany for moderating, and everybody for listening. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be on the stage with some really great people. These people are, I call my good friends now, thanks to Clubhouse. But giving a uh, background about myself, two years ago, I made the plunge in short-term rental. Fast forward two years, I've done a pretty million-dollar business. Been able to pivot through the time and craziness of COVID. But I will tell you, this is one of the best decisions that you can make. But I look forward to sharing any insights, gems, and mistakes that I make so that you can be able to level up in 2021 without having to run into some of the hard things that get in your work. Thank you. And um, Noble, let me commend you. I think you did a really great job of uh, balancing the stage. We have a lot of amazing women on the stage. Tracy, would you mind introducing yourself? 
Thanks, Brittany. Um, it's a pleasure to be in this room with some absolute powerhouses of, of the Airbnb um, mentorship space. So um, thank you. And thank you for Noble for, for inviting me. Um, just a little bit about me. I sound a bit funny. I'm Australian. Um, I live in Japan. Uh, so my experience and my journey has been a little bit different. Um, but I've been in the, the short-term rental space for about 10 years. Uh, I started off with a single property. I built up to 25 properties and a seven-figure business within five years. Um, now I'm spending a lot of my time blogging, um, mentoring, um, and you can find me through Instagram. But uh, yeah, my, my thing is all about branding. So I'm all about hospitality services and, and really having a unique business that suits, that suits the host's needs. So um, uh, thank you again for for inviting me here and I hope to add some value to, to the listeners. Terrific. Thank you everyone for those introductions. I have a good feeling about this one. Everybody is pretty concise, so I'm excited to give as much value as possible. Noble has provided me with a extensive list of topics to go through tonight. <laughs> and so um, I want to get to as much as we possibly can to provide as much value as we possibly can to everybody who is in the room. So for anybody who doesn't know, let's just dive into a brief introduction and anybody can take this question. But what is Airbnb? Why should we care? Why is it important? What are the benefits of using it? So, Brittany, I, you know what? I want to nominate Michael uh, Shogren if he can uh, if he could take this question. I think Mike has a, a great answer. I'm sorry, guys. I literally just hopped in the truck and I missed the question. No, no, that's okay. We're just saying, what is Airbnb? Why should we use it? Why should we care? What are the advantages? Just an introduction to Airbnb for anybody who's in the room that doesn't quite understand it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a vehicle to get out of my job. You know, I was working as an accountant. I had a, a, a baby boy who had a really serious and rare lung disease, and he was, we spent a lot of time at the hospital. And because I needed a job, I was forced to leave them there um, to go back to a job to trade time for money. So, I mean, within a year and a half of me getting into this business, it allowed me to quit my corporate job. I got my wife out of her job. I retired my mom. I mean, my entire world changed completely in an 18 month period. So, I mean, there's huge opportunity in this industry and I'm just super passionate about it because I felt stuck for so long. And then once I came across this unique niche in real estate, everything changed for me. And let me piggyback on that, Brit Brittany, with, um, you know, um, I, the, the way, the way I kind of view, uh, Airbnb and I, and I'm, and I'm so appreciative of, of Michael and his story, uh, because it gives a lot of people hope about what this platform can do. But the way I view Airbnb is, is, uh, it, it's really more to, to me as a marketing channel. Um, it's a platform that kind of has everything built into it for folks that want to get started in the short term rental space. Um, so it's, it, you know, it also offers you leads. Um, and that's what I mean by marketing platform. And so those built in leads are those guests that are already part of the Airbnb um, infrastructure, if you will. And so, uh, you know, we, we leverage it in that manner um, to uh, provide us with guests that we can host to make money from. 
that is a perfect explanation. And thank you, Michael, for sharing your story. And for anybody who hasn't been on stage with me before, usually um, if you have something that you want to contribute, um, you can come off of mute if you're in a quiet background, and then I will make sure to direct the question to you. Um, but if you just want to like support whatever is being said, you can tap your microphone to show that you're applauding. So either one of those will work, um, just like Will just did. <laughs> and so now that we kind of have a basic understanding of what Airbnb is, I want to move into automation, um, which is the second A subject in our A to Z list. Um, it's super important because it's really what makes this a business, not a hobby, not a project. Automation is really the, the crux of what makes this all work. So I'd like to throw this, this out there. Um, let's start with Sierra because I know she has some extensive systems. Can you tell us a little bit about the systems that you use in your Airbnb business? Oh, yeah. So actually, fun fact, I don't know if you guys saw, but there's a new feature on Airbnb where you can kind of like have... Um, you can do uh, um, automated messages or kind of, yeah, like preset messages, which is really cool. So definitely check that out. We're still experiencing. But um, I would say my main system um, that I love so much, it has to do with cleaning. Um, I know there are some other cleaning experts in the room, but for me personally, I have my cleaners actually record what they did and upload them to a Google Drive um, just so I can, so they can like speak out what they did and not just take pictures. Because you know when you're, sorry, I'm missing short. You know when you're cleaning, you're like, oh, like I've seen this place seven, eight times. I know what I'm doing. Like it's the same every time. You might forget a couple of things. But if your Airbnb ho or if your Airbnb cleaners are like saying, okay, you know, I cleaned out the fridge, I put the dishes up, like little things like that. I put the, the stuff from the dishwasher up in the pantry or whatever it may be. When they, when they talk it out, they'll figure out if they missed something, right? What happens is they upload that video to like a Google Drive. You don't have to watch every single one, but it keeps them accountable. And also, here's another thing. A lot of people, and the people on stage can tell you this too, a lot of people will come to your Airbnb and they'll try to tell you, oh, like the place is dirty. Can you give me a refund? They call Airbnb, all this crazy stuff. If you have that video of your cleaner cleaning and like you have proof to Airbnb, they're not getting that refund and you're keeping your money. Um, so it's another, um, per, uh, like another, I guess, system and precaution so that you don't get screwed over by some people. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite systems personally. Perfect. Um, Emmanuel, do you want to tell us about some of the systems that you use in your business? Yes. Sorry. I'm at the gym in the middle of my 75 hearts. So I was I just <sighs> running across the gym. Yeah, my phone. Uh, so some stuff. So I've been doing this for about ten years, right? So when I started this, there weren't any systems. Like I did everything on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so some of the great systems that I've learned through our podcast has been Smart BNB. That is kind of like what Sarah was talking about with the automated messages, the Airbnb system produced. But they'll take care of streamlining a lot of your systems. And then another great low-hanging barrier um, is a great property management system. Uh, there are so many out there, but they just really allow you to go on all the different platforms and synchronize all of your calendars. So if you are like me, if you've been doing this for a little while, but you're kind of resisting technology, it's good PMS system and smart BNB can really give you back a lot of a lot of time and really make your business more of a business. Love that. Thank you for sharing. Are there other systems that you guys are using? I know we talked a little bit about cleaning, 
um, any any outside marketing. Um, I know I've been in some rooms with some folks that have had some outside marketing um, that they do and, and a way that they systemize that. Will? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I use, uh, for the guest experience side, like from, for me being a hospitality, like, person that just loves the guest experience and connection um i use hostfully digital guidebook and their pmt their property management platform um just for me it helps with automation and of course it gives us that um extra i guess personal touch um for what tracy was saying when she did her intro as about creating a brand and that really helps us um especially during covid nobody likes the um binders or or notebooks in the the place anymore that all the guests are touching with pens and, and all that stuff. So we use a digital guidebook to help uh, op, uh, optimize things. You can do all sorts of crazy cool stuff with branding. So that's my go-to and it can be automated too. So when guests are about to check in, they'll get a digital guidebook and check-in instructions and all the stuff that you don't have to copy and paste and send over. Hey Brittany, I want to piggyback on that real quick. Um, you know, s- something that I've, heard people talking about yeah, I was in a room earlier today before this one and uh, a gentleman was asking about um, he was talking about pricing software and he was explaining how um, you know you have all these options out here for automated pricing you know uh, uh, price labs wheelhouse beyond pricing um, and he was confused uh, when he first logged into the to the platform and uh, and so he 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 wanted to know like you know what which one should I choose you know, what, how do I, you know, parse this data that I'm seeing in the software. And so understand that there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, automated solutions out there. Um, but I think it is useful, uh, depending on which uh, solution you're looking for to automate. Um, if you get with somebody who's experienced and, um, you know, allow them to, uh, you know, kind of train you or mentor you or either take a course from them. I know several people on the uh, panel here have courses, so make sure you're tapped in following all of them. Uh, but just get with somebody who has experience um, and they can kind of walk you through uh, from a kind of an elementary level to a graduate level of some of these more, um, you know, the more uh, intensive platforms and, and, and pricing is an art and a science. And so, um, you know, I think that's important. And so Will actually mentioned our our next topic, which is branding. So I want to keep going. And I want to remind the room that if you have a question on any one of the topics that we're raising, please raise your hand so that we don't start moving to another topic and have to double back to answer your question. Um, I also want to remind everybody in the room to go ahead and follow the moderators on stage. People (laughs) dedicate a lot of time. Um, energy and effort into just freely sharing content. So it's always appreciated uh, when we're acknowledged that you've gotten something out of what we're, we're saying and, and you are dedicating yourself to, um, you know, implementing the content that we're sharing. So please do that. And also please ping folks into the room. And so I say this not just to like make the room bigger or anything like that, but I say it because somebody in the audience is going to have a question that you didn't know you had. And when they come up to the stage to ask the, that question, it's going to be impactful for us all. So the, the more people that we have in the room, the more likely we are to give and receive value from each other. So that's why I think it's important. So with that being said, we're going to keep it rolling here. Um, the next subject is branding. And Will, I want to kick it off with you because you did mention that in your last answer. 
how do you approach branding your spaces and you as a host on Airbnb? Yeah, um, I think just setting up your, your profile uh, accordingly. Um, so for like some of the owners, we co-host on their, their accounts so they already have their properties listed. And if they don't have them listed, we put them under our management account. But um, really, it's, it's something that just is, you don't have to get too crazy on. It's just creating a logo, creating a voice, creating a, a, a version of what you guys want to resemble, whether that's, you know, professional luxury or is it more outdoorsy. Um, you know, we all have a certain specific skills and uh, niches and the type of properties that we manage. And so I think just representing yourself in that, that type of form, you know, obviously a good website uh that it just it creates that that version of we are not an airbnb we are a management company or we are an owner or we're investors that are on airbnb because airbnb doesn't pay our bills in the sense of like they are the owners of the property they are a marketing platform like noble mentioned so um, they don't they don't clean our toilets they don't you know do all the communication and all the other stuff between the guests and the the host um, so setting yourself apart to make sure that you are representing the professional management aspect instead of just the, the Airbnb brand itself. I love that. And I think it's so super important. And Tracy, I see you flashing your mic. So you must agree. Just, um, your two cents on, on branding. Oh, two cents, Brittany. I could talk for days and days on branding. Um, this is totally my bag. Um, I've written thousands and thousands of words on on branding on my blog um, that anyone is free to, to dive in and take a look at. Um, I think this is um, this is something that you know brings uh, a host of some real identity for themselves, um, and it's a, a little bit of mindset work about who you are who you are as a host away from the OTA. So, um, you know, Airbnb are very good at getting you to think that that Airbnb is a noun and a verb and that they're the be all and end all. And look, I love Airbnb, they're great. Um, but uh, you can really you can really use look at Airbnb as your as one of your marketing platforms rather than rather than your own identity, rather than your own brand. And that way you're really not a commodity with all the other cookie cutter Airbnbs that are out there on the platform. You've really got something that, that's yours, that's unique, that is identifiable for your guests who are going to come and want to keep coming back to you. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, sorry, I'm, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more comfortable in front of a keyboard than I am in a microphone. And that I just get so excited about this. Um, and, uh, and, um, <laughs> So uh, if anyone wants to reach out and talk more about brands, um, like I said, I could, I could talk about this for ages, but it, it is really uh, the essence of um, uh, discovering what your sweet spot is, what you're good at, what you, what you love to do, who, you're, who you best serve, who your ideal guest is, and having that as a magic sweet spot, and that's, that's your niche, and the riches are in the niches, and that's where you make some really good money. Tracy, I want you to dive a little bit more into what sounds like you're describing as a customer avatar. How do people go about creating that for their brand and really um, correctly communicating that through their Airbnb listing? What a great question, Brittany. Thank you so much for asking. Um, so 
when you when you when you've had when you've been doing uh, had a few guests for a little while, you you will get a feeling that you know some guests respond better to your hospitality, um, and there are some re- some guests that really light you up and that that really brings some um, uh, really bring the the uh, I don't want to get too woo woo in here, but um, but uh, they're the, they're the customers that are in alignment with with what your with what your product is, um, and when you when you've done this for a little while, you can sort of sit down and figure out well, what is it about a particular guest avatar that is bringing that alignment to my business? So you can build a picture of who that person is, what their family is like, um, and and really build out um, a full a full image of who that person is. When you've got that when you've got that ideal guest avatar, who you best serve in your mind. Then it makes things a lot easier when you're doing your marketing, when you're even fitting out your house, um, when you're looking at the furniture that you choose, the decor that you're choosing, um, and and also when you're writing copy for your listing, because you're actually speaking to a, a, a unique person, and so you're not just putting a scatter shot out into the marketplace of, you know, this is what I do. You can really uh, you can really align your copy with speaking. To somebody in particular and it, it becomes more about them than it is about you and when you've got that in your copy and in your marketing when someone when the guest has seen that you're speaking to them they're going to book with you rather than somebody else because they will know that that you're their people that you you will you will know what they need they'll take care of you and they're going to have an exceptional time Sorry, I can't get off of mute, but yes, that's perfect. And thank you so much for diving deeper on that. We did have two people come up with questions, but I wanted to give two of our moderators a second to introduce themselves. Gentlemen, thank you for coming to the stage and being willing to share your value with our audience. If you want to take a quick second and introduce yourself, I'm going to allow John to ask his question right after. Uh, who would be first? You're first. Good evening, everybody. My name is Hannibal Collins. I'm the executive director of FICO Finesse, um, a financial literacy and credit improvement company. I've also been a realtor for the past nine years. Um, I've also managed luxury buildings downtown Brooklyn and worked for a real estate investment company buying um, properties for motivated sellers and things like that. So almost every angle of real estate I've been immersed in. I will admit that I'm new to the um, Airbnb space. I'm just trying to get some tutelage here. But um, I have worked in rooms with Michael, Brittany, Brian, um, Kiara, etc. And they're brilliant minds. So I love um, surrounding myself with people like this, um, positive, progressive people. And I'm here to um, give insight if I can, definitely learn if I can. Um, I appreciate being here. I'm actually in Cancun right now on vacation. But um, learning is eternal. So <laughs> I-, I couldn't stop from, from coming in and supporting. And I appreciate Brian. Um, I believe Brian started the one, correct? So I had to come no. in. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was me. I'm at the top. Uh, but I, I, I saw you. I saw you in the audience, and uh, we are actually going to discuss um, credit a little bit more so on the business side. But I, I know that's your thing, and uh, so I wanted you to come up and drop some gems when we get I to really that. I really appreciate it. I've seen a lot of um, all of these spaces, and, and and they're definitely definitely insightful in everyone that they're in. Um, you guys will have to forgive me because my signal is a little intermittent in Cancun. So if I come in and out, it's just the signal. But 
I'm happy to be here, and thank you guys very much. And I'll kick it to George. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Kevin Noble, always appreciate you having me, brother. Michael, been a been like a day or so. Uh, Will, Brian, Kira, everyone. Uh, Tracy, I know we met, uh, I believe, yesterday. So I hope you guys are doing wonderful. And to the audience and everybody listening, my name is George Salas. Um, I am a real estate investment strategist by nature. I love strategizing deals. I've done about uh, 40 actual real estate transactions in the last two years. And then I've added another 35 in my um, in my last couple of years in the short-term rental business. Uh, currently, um, also I run an, a management company that operates um, almost 50 units. We're 49. And um, a majority of those units are arbitrage that I conquered as um, – as my career in the short-term rental industry grew over the last couple of years, only been doing it for two and a half. Um, I'm also um, changing my model towards uh, a little bit bigger houses and in more unique properties. So going from one bedroom apartment arbitrage to um, uh, bigger houses about four or five, five, six bedrooms and leaning towards more the vacation rental. And the reason for that is um, I see that there is a lot more value at, for us to add so that the client can have a better experience and make these properties look a little better. And since I was already rehabbing and wholesaling before I entered the space, um, I've got that touch and I've got a pretty decent team that is helping me do that. Um, also, we manage a few people's properties and then mostly investors here in the Houston area and some of my students also. And uh, I'm here to serve. I'm here to provide value. And always, I learn every single day I'm here with you guys. Uh, yesterday, last week on Sunday, and I'm just here to join with you guys. So uh, back to you, Noble or Brittany. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to go to an audience question real quick. John, did you have a question you'd like to ask? You know? I did. Hi, guys. What an awesome room. My name is John Yushai. I work at Instagram. My fiance and I just got our first place uh, in Palm Springs that we're really excited to turn into an Airbnb. Um, and my question for this group is uh, two parts. One, what, what are little things that either you guys do in your Airbnbs or that you've seen other Airbnbs do that just surprise and delight? Like, like something as little as like, uh, like warm cookies, like when you walk in or champagne, like just those little things um, uh, or like warm towels. I, I don't know. I've been trying to stay at more Airbnbs and see what those little things are, but I'm sure you guys are much more knowledgeable than I am. And then the second part is like, do you find value in like starting like a, a Instagram or social page for your Airbnb? And if you have multiple like branding them together. So I know those are two separate questions, but would love your thoughts on, on, on either. Great question. Let's kick it off with Brian. Brian, I saw your mic going off. What would you say? Yeah, great question, John. So anything you can do to make the personal touch, uh, it goes a long way. Yeah. So it can be little things like you said, cookies. I've seen Airbnbs that have little treats. One of the things that we did was we ended up doing like a, a card, like a thank you card, just thanking speaking guests for coming to visit with us and stay at our unit. And we also invite them to uh, come back and we have like a little coupon code that they can use for their future stays. Um, other things could be like we have, you could have like a branded uh, body wash. Other places I've known have artwork that's there for sale that people can buy. Um, but anything you can do to like even sweeten experience, when we first started out, we actually had like a bottle of champagne or like we knew for instance people were coming on Valentine's Day, we'd have some candy treats or if it was like for instance like a wedding anniversary or like a marriage or a wedding, we put something uh, in context to the event and the reason why 
why people are coming. So make sure to ask questions to understand why people are coming, and you can be able to kind of corral the stay around that experience. It really helps with reviews and retaining people. And then part two of your question, you don't mind me reminding me one more time because I totally forgot yeah, the second part. And, <laughs> no, no, it's, and you gave such a great answer in the first part. It was like branding your Airbnb and like 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 putting an Instagram page together. Actually, I'm, I'm really curious. You mentioned you had branded body wash. Is that like you like naming your Airbnb or if you have multiple, like kind of creating a brand to like put them together? Uh, that's the second question. Yeah, so one of the biggest players in the game is Fonder. Fonder was valued over $1.3 billion before the pandemic. They had branded body wash. They had branded, uh, I think branded towels, even their own like mattress that they had purchased. But the more that you can do to be able to put the brand, like you just mentioned the Instagram page is great. Another place, and I'm going to steal a tip from Kiara, who has some great advice on branding, is putting your um, short-term rentals on Pinterest and then watching it to reshare. But uh, one of the things that we did early on is we reached out to some influencers, got them to be able to share some like Instagram stories of our place, and that's helped for us to be able to get some more direct booking so that we're not relying on Airbnb. So anything that you can do to brand and to create content for your, your place and really sell the value of the experience is going to go a long way. That, that, that's brilliant. Brian, did you get like let them stay for free in exchange for like content posting or what was like the exchange there with the influencer? Uh, it was for free. So we, we picked up uh, one of our days that was like not the busiest day for us. And we had some new units that we were launching. So we focused on trying to get them to develop Instagram stories and other post content so people would know about our space. And so we do that on drilling. Like, our, I mean, our goal isn't to be booked 30 days out, out the month or else we're doing something wrong. Um, but on those off days that we know we're going to have, we try to fill it with other people who can be able to advertise or promote our space within their uh, local sphere of influence. Brilliant. Love that. Go ahead, Tracy. I was just going to piggyback on that a, a little bit as well. Um, yeah, like I said, branding is is uh, is really uh, something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, what you know. The, the thing that you have to ask yourself is why are people coming to your area? Why are people coming to you? And to really curate a local experience. So, um, uh, uh, for example, I have I have clients who um, you know have branded their who have branded their Airbnb for cat lovers, and so they have you know they they're really attracting people who do love cats. So their their local treats and their the, the local things that they have are cat themed, for example. Um, but um, you know, if you if you've got a family, then the the sort of things that you're going to leave behind, like leave in the house, are um, some you know some children's toys, some children's books, for example. So it's really curated based on um, on you, your area, um, why people are coming, um, and and giving them uh, you know giving them more of a local experience. Um. This is Kevin. Uh, yeah, that's a great question, John. And uh, for our, so for our kind of surprise and delay, as you mentioned, um, we try to uh, tailor towards specifically why uh, our guest is coming and staying at our property, right? So um, I actually empower our team. We give them, you know, they can spend up to fifteen dollars per guest, and they're empowered to do something relevant to the guest. So if they're coming with their dog, we'll leave dog treats. If they are coming for a birthday, we'll leave a birthday cupcake or cake. If they're coming for an anniversary, um, we'll leave maybe like a bottle of wine or champagne from a local vineyard. Um, so um, kind of tailoring it to the specific guest and destination. And it's kind of makes it kind of fun for both our staff and for the guests uh, appreciates that. And then on the marketing side, um, um, 
I see you're at Instagram, so you'll probably love to know. Um, you know, we do the majority of our bookings for our properties are direct book. Um, we actually do relatively little off of Airbnb at this point. Um, and that's largely because um, we are obviously have an Instagram and Facebook presence and um, do. Um, I know one person mentioned um, using influencers, which we definitely do uh, and collaborate with them, but also um, a kind of uh, both organic and page strategy um, to kind of. Uh, target our audience um, and uh, and bring them directly to our property, which uh, I think has a better ROI. And you look at it at the end of the day than paying you know eighteen percent, twenty percent commission um, if you're doing it um, if you're kind of micro targeting at the right uh, at the right level. Brilliant! It, uh, thank you guys so much. The amount of uh, like care you guys put in the question thing to make sure your tailoring experience is so brilliant. If I could ever give help back, like. Know, any Instagram questions, feel free to hit me up. And anybody in the audience always trying to give that value back. So thank you for this. I mean, the first time getting into the Airbnb world. So I uh, really, really appreciate it. Just can't take notes fast enough here. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you for the great question. And thank you to all the moderators who gave such exceptional answers. I want to take one more question before we move on to business credit, which I know Hannibal is going to be a huge resource on. But Dave, you raised your hand to come to the stage. Um, Excited to hear your question. Hey, my question was in relation to pricing. I recently set up my first Airbnb. Um, but the value that I was given, I gave a discount price with my account being so new and sold out within the first two weeks at, let's say, $55 a night. How did you determine your pricing? Hey, Brittany, I'll take this one. Hey, Dave, this is Noble. Um, a couple of questions. Um, wh where are you located? So I'm in what I can, I'm in the 30318 area code, zip code of Atlanta. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm central to everything and a pretty decent up and coming. Okay, awesome, awesome. Are you using the pricing that's built in uh, to Air, Airbnb, their smart pricing, or do you just have flat rates? I just did a flat rate. Okay, so that explains a lot. Um, likely you you were booked out for such a large gap of time because your rates are probably too low. Um, and so here's what I'd recommend. Um, hopefully you can hear me, my connection is off, but uh, Airbnb has a smart pricing tool. Uh, however, I do not recommend using that. I think most of the moderators would agree. Um, there are some different uh, pricing software options. Uh, a really popular one is uh, called Price Labs. Uh, there's also one called yeah. Wheelhouse, uh, and and oh, yeah. and so um, so you want to uh, use an automated pricing software to set your pricing. What you can do is you can sync your Airbnb listings with this automated pricing software, and it will go in and it will look at things like seasonality, events happening in the space, you know, um, an increase in activity, uh, an adjustment for weekend rates. Um, just a, a, a various number of different things that will allow it will automatically make your prices fluctuate based on uh, demand and a lot of other factors. And so I would recommend that um, you still have to kind of monitor that a little bit, uh, but uh, your prices are likely way too low for the market you're in, um, you know, which is giving you those large uh, several day bookings. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Like just being in e-commerce, I think the narrative is 
if it sells out fast, then it's priced too low. And I was just like, I think it's the same way with Airbnb. For me to be booked this fast, yeah, I guess when I'm pricing myself too low. Yeah, so I mean, some some of the other moderators may have something else to add, but I mean, I think that's going to make a significant impact in uh, how much revenue you can get per month or what you really should be making. Also on the panel, have any insight in relation to the question? I'll just jump in. Um, just because revenue management is kind of like my little geek out thing, uh, why I went to the school of Cornell for that. Uh, in the hotels, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because like you've seen the difference between hotels and, and vacation rental revenue management, but for pretty much what Noble said, it's pretty, pretty much dead on. The faster you're being booked, especially, I, I think, I don't, I'm sorry, I was kind of doing some other things in the background. So I don't know if this is a new property or not, but um, when you have a little, like obviously during COVID right now, we're seeing lead times and booking windows shorten. A lot of people are taking last minute trips. So don't be caught off guard by that. But the the fact that your place is being booked up, like Noble was saying, it could be too low. Um, then people are just going for the low bearing fruit when they're booking, when they're going through Airbnb or other channels. Um, but what you really want to do is look for a good pace. You're trying to price and of course, always keep an eye on competition. And it's one of the things that the algorithm for Airbnb, um, the more you're adjusting your prices, the better. So, cause it, it helps these that you're active. And so just keep adjusting your prices uh, according to, to your, I guess, supply and demand, what you're seeing in the market, what you see in your comp set, um, because it will help keep you up at the top of uh, the search for a lot of people that are looking. That's kind of my little one, two cents there. And can I add one thing? Um, just for anyone who's, who's uh, interested, I actually, if you PCR pull to refresh, um, I actually just posted a picture of how I decide, um, like how to price my mob, like how to price my homes as well as how much I want from them. Um, so you can kind of just screenshot that. First step is kind of estimate your monthly expenses and then decide how much you want from it, from your Airbnb. Add those two numbers, which gives you a number to say 3,500, like it says in the picture. And then um, what you're going to do is you're going to multiply 70% of the month, assuming you're, you're booked 70% of the month or whatever your number is, multiply 70% times 30 days. That means that you should be booked at least 21 days. So that amount you want to make, which is 3,500 divided by 21 days, is your average daily rate. Step six, which is not listed, is when you go into Price Labs and Wheelhouse and all of those other pricing platforms to see if you are able to charge that. Now, me personally, our Airbnbs always rank too high for like the Price Labs and the Wheelhouse. Um, to work for us, we we end up having to like you know charge more, but definitely screenshot it. It will help you in figuring out how much you know you should pay or how much you should be charging. For that. Yeah, that's pure gold. What she just said was. Hey guys, I want to add something on here as well. Um, due to you know just focusing on a lot of setups for you know since we listed and launched that close to 50 properties now, um, I've come to find out, you know, when we set up um, a property a certain way that there are more than, you know, obviously the factors that we were speaking uh, a little earlier from everybody else, of course, but I've came to sort of define it um, to four factors if, if you're looking at not being booked. Um, and then one of them is obviously your research and the pricing and the market research that's one factor that uh, you might have on the on the wrong side and not might not be able to uh, be on that market rate, right? The second factor is 
is the way that your property is stationed designed. And, um, and then the third is how the listing looks. And uh, I know uh, Kara is a super pro at that. And uh, I actually need to send you my three listings, right, that we, uh, we discussed. So I'm even doing the looks from her eyes. So it's always good to have uh, somebody else's do the review as well. And then the next factor is your operations, right? Like your reviews, the way your, you know, your your customers are, are are giving you their their hand and talking about your property. So if you're not getting booked, something out of those four general areas might be lacking. You know, it could be that your photos or your title maybe might not be enticing, or you don't have your pricing strategy correct, um, or maybe you just the property the listing isn't matching what the property's really looking right, looking like when they walk in. So your accuracy might be off a little bit. So when they if they see a really nice listing on on, on the photos, they walk in and it doesn't look as nice, um, or it doesn't have certain things in the places that appeared on the photos then a lot of people are going to, a lot of guests are going to rate you on, review you on that negativity, right? So the accuracy rate is going to be a little bit lower. So look at those four areas um, that might actually be able to help you realize why you're not getting booked. So sometimes um, I look back at some of my listings and I'm like, oh man, I found this, I found that. So there's always, if you have more than a few listings, there are always things that need to be tweaked because Airbnb is always coming with new features. Uh, and if you don't have all your details in there filled out when they come out with them, then your rankings, your SEO is going to go down. So you might not even be on that search ranking, right? So, or so, so high in, on that search ranking. So anyway, I hope that helps, but back to you, Noble. Thank you guys. Thank you for all of those answers. I hope that was helpful, Dave. Um, I know we have two other folks on the stage, but I do want to keep the room flowing. So we are going to take questions in just a second. But first, we're going to move into the letter B for our A to Z categories. And I want to talk about, well, I'm sorry, we're going to skip around a little bit. We're going to go to C, um, cleaning. And I know Virginia works with a very specific topic um, and a very specific product that to detect cannabis and cigarette smoke in a unit. We all know that those those things are major no-nos in most units. And so I want her to talk a little bit about her product and, and how that will help create a, a positive system and uh, and clean environment for your guests. Virginia's new. Virginia, you may have to hit the mic icon in the lower right to unmute yourself. All right, Brittany, I'm not sure if she, she, she can hear us right now. Yeah, can okay, you hear me go. now? Thank very, you. very good. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you a little bit about AirTalks and what we do. And I will tell you that I'm much more familiar with hotels than Airbnbs. But it has forced our business to address the Airbnb issue because we get on average about three calls a day from Airbnb owners looking for solutions to help them with noise and air quality. So what Airtos is, Airtos is a small boutique, um, basically a bespoke sensor company. And we have a device called Sentinel. And what it does is it picks up um, air quality within your unit in a real-time ingest. And will, and will enable you to be able to see the air quality in your unit via real time through our app. So basically, it's an indoor 
for air quality monitor that happens to support cannabis and cigarette smoke, as well as noise. So included in this, it basically tells you relative humidity, temperature, CO2, three channels of particulates. If you're technical, it's um, 1, 2.5, and 10, as well as um, TVOC, which is volatile chemicals. And so you would be able as an owner or a stakeholder in, in your unit to be able to see in real time the occupancy of the air in your unit. Now it also helps you because with CO2, it will tell you if there's a party, it will also tell you if people are not there. So as more people are in your unit, you're, you will see your CO2 levels go up. And so it is basically a small little sensor similar to an Alexa that sits in your unit that um, picks up via Wi-Fi or XB if you don't have Wi-Fi and tells you in real time what the air quality is in your unit. Now, I will tell you for hotels, what we have done is we have built in from their facilities management and billing system an interface from our platform to their billing. So if you smoke in a hotel, when you check out, the bill will include the cost of the smoking penalty. Most people will complain until they pull up the chart that tells them at you know, 12.08, you smoked and here's the chart. So it may be something that will help you. I can tell you it must be an issue because of the amount of um, inquiries that we get. So I would encourage you guys to look at sentinelairsystem.com and I would encourage you guys to take a look and see if we can help. And so with that, I'll just open up for questions and I'm also available offline at any time to help you. And for participating in this, we would like to offer you a discount if we can help you support this um, in your Airbnb. So if anybody has any questions about that, I've opened up Tambor Raising again. And are there any moderators that have questions? Uh, actually, I, I just want to jump in real quick, Brittany, and uh, thank Virginia for um, agreeing to come into the room and, and talk about our product. And, I, and just, just real quick, um, a, a lot of us that are in the space uh, know of a competing product. And, you know, while there's nothing wrong with that product, there is a quantity minimum of 50, uh, which for many of us makes that, um, you know, not not an ideal scenario for us to take advantage of that product. And so uh, with Virginia and correct me if I'm wrong, but Virginia, there's no minimum quantity uh, with the Sentinel product. Is that correct? Um, that's correct. And just so you know, we do sell one or we sell a thousand, depending on. I will tell you flat out the price is two fifty nine, two hundred and fifty nine dollars, and it's a five dollar a month subscription charge for the cloud base. Or you can embed it into your costs, and we can work that as well. Um, we don't compete on a um, thousand or five hundred minimum um, purchase. So, you know, basically you can order one, get it shipped out, see if it works. They are portable. So if you don't have, you know, you don't have smoking issues in one, but you do in the other, you can kind of put it where you want because you really control where it goes and you have the cloud access to the mnemonic of the device. Hey, Virginia, I, I actually have a question. How how big of a of apartment does this cover? Like, does it have to be, like, how big of a place? So if I have like a 2,500 square foot house, do I just need one? Do I need more than one? That's an excellent question. So let me just share with you, regardless of who you choose to go to on this, um, no one should quote you over 700 square feet of space per device. I will tell you in our lab, 
we have tested up to 1,200 square feet, but depending on the layout of your unit and the walls and whether it's cement or something else, we can't really guarantee that. So if you have over, I would say, roughly a 750, 800 square foot unit, you may need two. Got it. Awesome. That was my only question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we also had um, a couple people come up to the stage. I'm assuming just specifically for this. So, Syed, if you will give us just a minute. I want to finish with this topic before I take your question. But Matthew, did you have a question in relation to the product? Yeah, absolutely. I um, just chimed in literally as she was given a website. So I wanted her to repeat that just so I could get down from my notes because it does sound like a great product. Sure. It's Sentinel, S-C-N-T-I-N-E-L, airsystems.com. And the company is called Aritas, A-R-E-T-A-S dot C-A. They're made in Canada, and the cloud-based platform is based in Canada. So the, the data resides there. I would also like to share with you guys that um, if you are looking for just a noise detector, I would encourage you to wrap an indoor air quality around noise and not just noise specific. So if that helps, uh, let me know. But it's really interesting with the cloud-based system. You you really have an opportunity to look in and really see the air in your unit. And after you clean, um, a lot of people are saying, well, we're seeing a lot of um, alerts from that. And the way this works, it does not alarm, it alerts you. So it alerts you via SMS, text, email, that there is a violation or that we've seen increased, um, we've ingested um, different particles that you need to know. We'll gladly do a demo for you as well. And then one other thing, um, we also are an RTLS company, which is a real-time location sensor tracking company. And we do a lot within the cannabis industry to track plants. We do a lot with um, government to track assets. So if you have things in your home that you would like to put tags on to know where they are, we also have that available as well. Perfect. Thank you. And thank you for your question, Matthew. Don, did you have a question related to Virginia's product? Hi. Um, not necessarily towards hers. I do have a question for if you have tenants, right? Or for or like um clients hey, that are I'm so sorry, Don. Give me one second. We're gonna come back to you and take All right, your breathing. question. <laughs> I'm sorry. No um, Lorena, was your question directed to Virginia? Yes, it was. Um, I'm not sure if this question was uh, asked and answered already, but um, does the system only detect cigarette smoke or would it take or would it also detect like say marijuana smoking? Um, currently today it does both. It does cannabis and it does cigarettes. We do not distinguish between the two at this time. We will second quarter where you'll be able to know whether it was cannabis or cigarette smoke. And I will tell you that vaping right now, unless it is an air, um, an air vape, we do not pick vaping up. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. For, so if those are all the questions for Virginia, um, then we will keep moving right along. Virginia, thank you so much for your expertise and the information. I think it's going to be a really valuable tool for everyone here in the audience. Hey, Brittany, I, have, I, I do. I, I had one thing real quick. I apologize. I just wanted to jump in before, um, just in case Virginia has to step out early. Um, I, I, I did, uh, you know, when, when inviting uh, Virginia to the space, 
uh, you know, she she was gracious enough to, um, you know, to say, hey, I've got a, a special for the listeners um, on their first on their first product, their first unit. And so I wanted her to uh, have an opportunity to, uh, you know, let the let the group hear that in case anyone wanted to take advantage of it on their first unit. Yes, thank you very much. So our Sentinel units are two fifty nine, and it's a five dollar month subscription fee. So if you, you know, if you get back in touch with me and you're interested in this, we will waive um, the first year's monitoring fee for you. So um, if there's anything I could do to help, also with multiple discounts, and especially if you are a military owner, we also offer military discounts. But you know, our company is really based on wellness. You know, how can we make the air quality well? whether it's in your home or your school. So if we can help in any way, please let us know. All right, folks, I wanted to take a real brief, quick pause in the show. Hope you're enjoying it so far and getting a bunch of knowledge out of it. Uh, As you've heard, if you've listened up to this point, I'm sure you've heard by now about the special offer being offered by Virginia Coles with Aritas. And she is actually the chief revenue officer, and she put together an awesome deal for the listeners. So make sure to head on over to hospitalitycashflow.com. Check out the show notes for this episode, season two, episode 12. We'll have a link in the show notes for you to take advantage of that offer from Aritas for the Sentinel smoke detection device and the sixty dollars off basically from their annual service so awesome offer awesome device thanks for tuning in let's get back to the show um we've had some new moderators come to the stage and um guys i i will circle to you in just one second but there were a couple people with questions so i wanted to take those allow the new moderators to introduce themselves real quick and then move on to our next subject credit and Hannibal I know you're going to be a great resource there so Syed would you mind telling us your question uh so I don't have a question right now I am also in the business there Airbnb business out of Chicago I'm running 180 rental arbitrage units at the moment and um, I'm just listening in to like learn from you guys as well you know you guys are my colleagues so I like to learn as much as possible Thank you. Hey, Brittany. Sorry about that. I brought Syed. I've, I've, um, he's a good friend of mine, so brought him up and uh, didn't want to interrupt you guys, but he is a powerhouse uh, up in Chicago, so wanted to bring him up to also share all his knowledge with us. So. See, I like learning from you guys as much as sharing my knowledge, so you know, I'm sometimes just a listener. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Thank you, George, for letting us know. Appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. And so, Don, I know you had a question, and I'm sorry we didn't jump right into it, but the floor is yours. No, that's all good. I understand. Um, first off, thank you for having me. Thank everybody for sharing the knowledge. Uh, right now, I'm active duty. I am based out of Hawaii. I have 10 units right now, and uh, I am extending the empire. My question is, though, luckily, I haven't had any clients who have been in and had to mess up my units or anything. I haven't had... You know, I just, I've been lucky so far. But my question is this. So say you set your deposit, somebody pays the deposit, and they break a house rule or just one of the horror stories happens that, you know, we've all heard of. If you want to charge them, 
but they don't have enough money in their account or on their card. How would that work? Over. Are you talking about on the Airbnb platform? Correct. Uh, that's the thing about Airbnb that security deposit is for the for your protection. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be charged to them if they break anything. Uh, Airbnb covers that deposit. Uh, if something breaks and you need to call Airbnb, they'll cover it with their insurance. Uh, yeah, that deposit is to actually just protect you. So if they break anything and you put a hundred dollar deposit down, they the Airbnb has to pay you out. That's but let me also add to the, what Michael was just about to say because there's something important that you need to know about Airbnb too. It's great for you to make sure you're documenting everything. I mean, taking pictures and ha- having evidence. And it's important that you re- you try to make this response within 24 hours of any kind of damage claims because the longer that you wait, the more the Airbnb is less likely to um, make it an easy process for you to get paid out. And, that's, and the reality of it is that Airbnb doesn't want to have so many insurance claims on their side, so they want to see documented evidence. Um, but from some of the hosts, they may all agree that it seems like uh, it's Airbnb sides with guests more often than hosts, so you need to make sure that you're documenting everything in your business. So have pictures, have invoices if there's things that need repaired, so that whenever you come to Airbnb and say, look, these are the damages that we have, it's a very easy process for Airbnb to go and get it approved so that you can get what you need it. For instance, we had somebody break the glass door of a shower and they claimed the door was rusty. We had pictures of the door. We had pictures of the completely broken in pieces glass shower and a $2,000 invoice would go attached. And Airbnb was quick to pay it out because of all the documentation that we had showing that there was not even rust. The building was uh, two years old. So very important detail. Yeah, I just want to... I was just going to say... Ryan mentioned the, the quickness piece. You have to get that claim in before the next guest checks in. So if you've got a same day checkout check-in, you have to submit that claim before the next guest checks in or they don't even look at it. So just want to throw that out there. So, so guys, I have a story too since uh, uh, Brian brought up a shower glass door. In uh, one of my units, um, while the guest is taking a shower, um, I guess somehow, some way, the shower glass shattered all over her. So she had cuts all over her arm. She took pictures. It felt really bad, right? Um, but we ended up asking our insurance policy and um, if we can pay for her hospital bills and what so on and so forth. And that's kind of what, when we brought in Airbnb as an arbitrator to help us with the situation. And they assigned us, you know, Allstate as our adjuster. And, um, you know, they... Um, try to settle with that individual. That individual ended up calling a lawyer and um, started making a lawsuit. So obviously I was worried. I'm like, oh no, it's going to you know, escalate into something bigger. But from my understanding, Airbnb is pretty good at handling the situation. And um, like they stepped in and they're going to you know, close on the settlement and figure out what they have to do to pay this person. So uh, in like summary, you know, it's nice to have Airbnb as an insurance policy. But again, any insurance above and beyond that will only, like, you know, help you out in your business. If I can add on, I don't think I have too much time on the topic, but uh, also I'm uh, military as well, so cool. right back at you, man. Um, one thing is, uh, I like, we could talk about Airbnb, and it's a great platform. I think it's a great way to get started. But definitely with uh, 10 properties, I would have a property management system. And there's a company called Safely, 
and they are an insurance uh, pretty much service provider for the vacation rental network and uh, industry. And what you can do is integrate it with that platform, your property management system. Like you can put the charge to the guest. So let's say you get an insurance policy and every booking at eight bucks, you mark it up to 10, you put it into that property management system as a um, service that they have to select and the guest pays it. You collect two bucks on top, safely gets their eight and it gives you a great insurance, protects everything. And they literally have turned down zero claims. Um, and so like even for, we had a, a bridal party, a bunch of makeup got smeared all over the, the linen and, and the pillowcases and it was kind of a nightmare to, to you know, clean up and whatnot. We just put a claim with safely on, on the pillowcases and all the makeup damage that was done and they pretty much bought our new sheets and pillowcases and simple stuff like that or it could be a crazy party. Um, but highly recommend them and highly recommend that. And thank you for your service, brother. Thank you, everybody. I took notes. Uh, and same to you, Will. Same to you for sure. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'm out. Sorry, I thought I was off mute. Thank you guys for those great answers. I always love those, like, what do I do if there's a horror story type of situation so that we can, you know, protect our businesses. John, thank you so much for coming to the stage and asking that question. We have two new moderators to the stage, so I wanted to give you guys a second to introduce yourself and then move to business credit with Hannibal. So, Micah and Benicia, please introduce yourself. Uh, oh, okay, thank you. Uh, Noble, thank you for bringing me up, uh, running another awesome room. But yeah, I'm just a short-term rental uh, investor and a uh, real estate investor based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, I run a podcast, which is Live, Let, Thrive, uh, all about short-term rentals and Airbnb and teaching people how to get started. Uh, that's my quick bio. Hey, everybody. My name is Benicia Watson, and I run a real estate company called the Bailey Watson Real Estate Group. I actually have agents that work directly for me, um, residential and commercial. Uh, 2020, we closed out the year with over $99 million in transactional sales, and I have a big team that spans over 14 locations around the United States. So locations are in my bio. Based in Dallas, Texas, I started in real estate as an investor, buying and holding and flipping. And then I got my license and ultimately got into developing and building and um, and uh, building custom homes and for people to live in. So anyways, I'm just here tapping in to help with this uh, wealth gap that we have in our community and education gap. And I do um, also sell Airbnbs and market them for my clients as well. So thank you for having me. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming to the stage, guys. Um, I want to move to the next topic, which is business credit, and I want to kick it off with Hannibal and, and what you have to say on the subject. I know it's a very broad subject, and, and short-term rentals uh, are also very broad, but can you tell us a little bit about how we can start preparing our, um, our business entities to take advantage of business credit and how that can help grow and scale or start our short-term rental companies? Absolutely. And thank you, Brittany. I want to preface this by um, first saying that my signal this entire time has been very intermittent while I'm here in Cancun. So if it comes out, um, if it goes out and I'm out the room momentarily or I pause speaking momentarily, I do also trust Brian to um, speak on this topic. We run a lot of rooms together as well, and he's very um, informed about this. But um, I'll start going. My signal is just in and out somewhat. Um, pretty much, this is very important. You want to establish a good foundation for business credit with your entity. Um, 
I won't really tell you guys which entity um, is best for you. You should um, see a CPA or your attorney for that um, to see which one best suits the needs of your business. But did my signal go out? Can you guys still hear me? We can hear you. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, um, you need to establish your, your entity uh, properly in a way that's going to have a good track record and the way that establishes a foundation for your business. You want to have basics. You want to have your website set up properly. You want to have a name of your entity that is not a high-risk name um, in the banking industry. There are a lot of high-risk categories, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's real estate, funding, financial, um, anything like that. I would suggest that you guys go with like a, a vague, broad name um, as your entity name. Um, like consulting or something like that. And then you can always niche down later and you can do a DBA or doing business as or a fictitious, fictitious business name to be your exact brand name. But um, from a logistics and operations standpoint, your entity should be vague so that it can just, you know, not be flagged, red flagged um, by banking institutions or anybody else when it comes to business funding and lending and things like that. You also want to make sure um, your NAI SIC codes are um, not ones that are red flags. And again, financial, real estate, anything along those lines are going to be red flags, right? So just keep it as vague as possible. You want to have your, your, your LLC or whatever entity you're, you're having. You want to have your EIN. You want to get your Dunn's number from Dunn & Bradstreet. Um, you want to establish initial accounts that is going to build a track record for you with business credit. Um, once you get they're called tier one accounts or they're called otherwise known as net 30 accounts, which stands for the amount of time that you have to pay back, um, pay back your invoices and things like that. They're also known um, as vendor accounts. All of those are initial accounts that you're using to establish a business credit to stand on its own. Now you can definitely co-sign for your business and you can um, facilitate your business credit or even, um, Make your business credit a lot higher sooner if you do co-sign for your business. But some people, um, for strategic purposes or any other purposes, don't want to have any personal guarantee with their business credit, which would make sense, right? Um, if you don't have, not to say that people shouldn't meet their obligations, but if stuff happens, they say nine out of ten businesses fail, right? If you've built business credit just in the name of your, your business, if your company goes under and you can't meet the loan terms and stuff like that. It's your business and, and your, 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 your LLC and EIN that's on the hook, not you and the whole $50,000 because you couldn't pay this back. But um, again, you can establish it on your own just by merit of your own business, or you can co-sign and get more business credit or expedite this process. To do it by itself, just by the merit of your business, again, you have to get your, your LLC, get your EIN, get your business bank account, get your Dunn's number um, from dmb.com. Um, they're going to suggest that you pay for it. You don't need to. It's an absolutely free product. They'll also say that paying them will expedite the process. I'm very certain that you should get your um, Dunn's number within, I would say, a week or two. So there's no need for you to pay for extra. Um, it's just like a marketing thing. But once you get your DMB number, your Dunn's number, um, I, I don't know if my phone went out. Once you get your Dunn's number, once you have five payment experiences with the Business Credit Bureau, which is Dun & Bradstreet and a few others, then you will get what's called a PayDeck score. And that ranges from zero to 100. 
And I'm sorry if I'm talking fast. I just know my signal is in and out. So I want to get this knowledge to you guys. Wait, um, I'm sorry. Can I can I have you elaborate? You said five payment experience. Sure. Does sure. that mean five from one reporting entity, or do you need five different entities reporting? That is a great question. So um, there are different business credit bureaus, um, experience business, um, et cetera. So there's some some vendors or net 30 accounts or, or providers that will report you to multiple bureaus. So that counts as multiple payment experiences. So you don't need five unique ones. You just need five payment experiences reported to business credit bureaus to be issued a Dun & Bradstreet score. I mean, a Paydex score. So it does not need to be unique. Um, but you do need to check each of those that you're, you're um, setting up to make sure who they're reporting to so you know how to establish it. But um, just for, with, with, for lack of a better word, to, to be due diligent, you should probably set up as many as possible, right? If you look at most businesses, um, it's free to look into what trade lines they have. Um, it's public information. So if you have like a NAV account or something like that, you can look it up and you'll see like stuff like Walmart has hundreds of trade lines, right? So it's not going to hurt you. Um, unlike personal credit, it's, it's a different animal than personal credit. Personal credit, your utilization must be low, right? Your utilization must be below 30% to be faring well in the personal credit category. And business, you can have and use as much credit as you possibly need. And your credit lines will probably be vastly, vastly larger because a business has more appetite for credit than a person hey, does. How, hey, how do you look it up? How do you look I, it up? How, how do you look up the uh, Syed, one second. Yeah. I'm going to come right back to you, but I know Sierra was uh, trying to ask the question first. Thank you. No, my question, Hannibal, because I think it's, it's good for the audience to know this, but since we are talking about short-term rentals and you mentioned names and being risky, what do you, well, I know you can't like legally recommend this, but it's putting the word rental or renting or rent anywhere in your name also yeah. like mm -hmm. a good thing or a bad thing? So only when I'm, when I'm saying this, I'm only talking about your entity's name, your legal entity's name, like your LLC or your um, S Corp or anything like that. Your legal name should be very vague. It should be K Consulting, Kiara Consulting, right? Or something like that, right? Vague. Um, you're, it could really be Kiara's Rental, but that's your doing business as name. That's your brand name, which is not your legal name, which is not going on the documentation. Ooh, so thank keep you. It vague, keep it vague on your regular, on your entity's name, and then do a DBA or doing business as or a fictitious business name as your actual brand. Perfect. Thank you. Syed, I want to go to your question. Sure. Sorry about that. Um, my question is, um, I've been having a Dun and Bradstreet number for a, a few years now, and I just kind of want to know how do I look up my Paydex number or like uh, your your score or to see like um, what has been going on because I, I don't get any notifications. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, you know. So just Google. Now, it's something just like on a person and you have to pay for, unfortunately. But it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the uh, doctor and they, um, yeah. what's the word for it? They, they, they take like lab results and all that kind of stuff like that. Or you'll need it. It's going to be very worthwhile to, to check that. So um, I should pay I don't Dun know. & Bradstreet their, their fee to... Um, no, no, not Dun & Bradstreet. <laughs> or who, who should pay the vendors or suppliers? You should, you, you should pay NAV to check what's being reported. NAV? NAV, NAV. So just Google um, okay. NAV, and they okay. should pop up um, 
kind of first. I believe that SEO should be high, so they should pop up first. Um, I also bought, I believe I brought someone to the stage that I work with, um, Sharia. I don't know if she hopped out. But yeah, we often do um, credit and business credit together. But um, I'm not sure where that left off at or if anybody had any other questions. Hey, Hannibal, can you also talk about the, the process for people, for instance, who don't have trade lines that are reported, meaning vendors aren't reporting it? And what does that look like to get it added? Because a lot of people will have like business lines, but then they don't report it and they're not aware of how they can quickly get that fixed so they can get their business credit uh, reported. Absolutely. Um, so there are definitely lots of um, ones that don't report. Um, I, I believe if you, I don't know the, the advanced stuff of, of like getting um, data furnishers for things that totally don't report. But that's possible. Everything is possible in life. Um, everything's negotiable. But um, there are surely a, num a large number of vendors that do report. If um, anybody, I wish I had it in my clubhouse bio. I don't, but I do have it in my um, my Instagram. If you guys DM me for a list, I can um, email a list over to you guys. If you leave me your email, if you just ask me for a list of vendors, I surely can provide that for you. But um, the normal ones, Quill, Ranger, Uline, et cetera, um, there's a bunch of them, like, dozens if not hundreds right that do report and they're again they're called vendor accounts otherwise known as net 30 accounts they could be more than net 30 they can be net 45 or net 90 that's just the amount of time you have but essentially those are people that will lend you credit when you don't have credibility yet as your business um they're i would call them tier one accounts right um they're going to extend you credit even though you have no track record it's just like on a personal end if you get the secured card, right, they're going to extend you preliminary credit before you can qualify for better, I guess, revolving credit or anything like that. So the tier ones would be your stuff like Uline, Ranger, Quill, et cetera. Once you have five of those tier one accounts, you can then graduate to tier two accounts, which may be something like gas cards or fleet cards. Once you get five initial tier one cards and about two tier two cards, which are gas cards, then you can get a store card like a Lowe's or Home Depot or something. Of Hannibal, I think we you dropped for a second. Yeah, Brittany, while he's getting his connection back, um, for the folks in the audience, um, you know, I was I was gonna let him know, how, you know. <laughs> He's giving he's giving us a master class on building business credit. Um, I you know I help students with that, but I just learned a couple of extra things myself. So um, uh, you know we appreciate appreciate having him in the room. I'm sure he'll be back for uh, more questions, maybe. But um, thank thanks, Brittany. I'll let you keep going. Thank you. No, I was I was so excited because <laughs> I really uh, was interested to hear about tier two. Brian, do you happen to know? I know he recommended that you as as a an expert in this field too. Do you know if so we get five tier ones, two tier twos, and then what happens? Yeah, I can pick up where he left off. So the tier ones is the first focus is getting those starter accounts as we call them. They don't give you large lines, but they do report. So Quill is another one. Um, there's another one called Ranger Supplies, U Line, and et cetera. But then at this point you're not uh, my computer going off. Uh, you cannot, uh, you cannot really get like the credit cards to so have large lines. And so once you graduate from getting those five accounts or five, I guess, reporting accounts, that's when you get your paid export. 
once you get your FedEx card, that's when you move up to gas card or store card. So for instance, uh, you can be able to get like what we call net 30 accounts, which means that you have an invoice, but you paid off within 30 days. So examples of that would be like going to Amazon and having a net 30, going to FedEx and getting a net 30. And once those accounts start reporting, your goal is to get anywhere between seven to 10 accounts at level two. Then once you get to level two, you can, then you get to level three where you get the bigger lines. So then there's Office Depot. There's some other like uh, kind of retail stores that will give you like larger $10,000, $20,000 net lines of credit, but they're usually considered the most premium accounts. So if you work your strategy in those three ways, then when you get to tier three, when you go out to apply for a credit card, for instance, in the business name, you might be hit with a $50,000, $100,000 credit card uh, line because you built out your credit profile. When uh, you're looking at building your business credit, it's just like a resume for a job. You wouldn't go to apply to be a supervisor and your only job was a part-time specialist. You would show that you have worked in part-time, show you worked in uh, as a, as a uh, contributing employee, has worked as a team lead and showing that you have the management capabilities. So when you're going out and using your business credit, it's important for what we call building the profile, meaning that you're getting all the different experiences of showing that you know how to manage money from a variety of different places simultaneously so they can be uh, awarded with getting bigger accounts. And if people want to DM me, I have a, a starter package. I don't have a starter package, but it's like it's a kind of step-by-step guide of which accounts to start with in tier one and the accounts to go to tier two and then the accounts to go to tier three that I can send to you to help you get started. Thank you, Brian, for holding me down. My signal totally went out. <laughs> it's really I got your there. back, brother, always. Thank you. Thank you. And we often so, um, run one together, all of us. So thank you. So if you have any questions on building your business credit, I know I'm going to send you guys messages to get your, your list of things that I need to be doing so I can add it to the already very long list of things that I need to be doing. But um, please send a message to Brian and Hannibal. Um, and I think business credit is an incredibly valuable tool and that you should build it as soon as you start your business because it does take time. Um, so let's so I want to give um, the stage to two gentlemen who just came up to ask questions. Um, Elliot, I see that you're new to Clubhouse. Welcome, and the floor is yours for your question. You oh there, hey there. I am uh, unmuted now. <laughs> I uh, just, um, no particular question. I think we're all really enjoying the conversation. I recognize some friendly faces. Good to be here on Clubhouse and, and have you all. For those that don't know me, I'm in Washington, D.C. and a few other markets. I've been doing short-term rental about 10 years and um, looking forward to learning from you all. Thank you. Thank you. And Andrew, did you have a question? Yeah, I did have a question. Um, so I've been doing Airbnb for uh, about a year now um, down in Atlanta. I got a few properties down here. Um, but I always seem to, I want to see, get y'all's take on this. Because um, I have a strategy for it, but I just wanted to see what your guys' strategy was for um, for basically filing a resolution with the guests that smoked in the property or well, really just smoked. They didn't like damage the property extensively but just smoke um filing that resolution and getting like a positive review because as we all know sometimes when we reach out to the guests um even if we we fluff it up in the beginning and then try to like sneak in the um 
sneak in the part where we're requesting the money, they still leave us bad reviews. Um, so I wanted to see from some of the hosts in here what your guys' strategy is on um, on getting like on trying to get the fee and get a get a five star review if a guest smoked in their house. Mm, okay, that's a great question, Andrew. I dealt with that when I first started. I'm gonna let someone else answer, but then I want to talk about how to like respond to a bad review. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to have an acknowledge on how to, how, I'll talk about how to respond. To Anybody want to take that? Woo, that's a tough. One. Oh, hold on one second, Riley. Not a problem. Um, I'm going to go to Noble or Brian or Kevin. Uh, Kevin, we haven't heard from you. And Michael, you have a pretty extensive network, so you might be able to answer that too. But Noble, I saw you come off of mute. You want to jump in on that question? No, no, the other guys can take it. That's fine. That's fine. Brian? Um, I have a very unconventional way, I guess I would say, is that one of the things that we do is, you know, we check in with the guests and experience uh, right before they leave. Um, and essentially we try to get them to complete the re review first and essentially give them to complete the review. And we, we ask for you know, a five-star review at the end of their checkout. And we try to get the guests to complete it within the first 24 hours. But then at, once they've been able to submit their review, we've been able to get them to get the review. Then we write our review and then we, we then submit the, uh, to submit the resolution. It's kind of a tricky way of doing things. And so I say it's very unconventional. Because we know that we're going to hit them with a resolution to incite some bad things because some people know the house rules. Some people, you know, may have skipped over that part in the house rules. Uh, it's one of the things that we ask for for guests just to, to remind them. And if we know that they've missed the reminder, then they, they know that they're kind of guilty um, of the things that have happened. But we try to make it into a way that what we discuss is say, hey, just a reminder, you know, these were the house rules that, uh, you know, that you're assigned to. Now, when checking out the unit, these are things that we found and just, to let you know, as part of our house rules, we'll be assessing a so-and-so fee. But in the way we've kind of worded, tried to be not very, like, demanding. That's also helped in times where we haven't got the reviews from the guests uh, ahead of time, and the guests have actually not written us a bad review because it was more of a, I would say, gentle reminder rather than just kind of coming down onto them and, and putting them into a very combative place. Because the last thing you want to do is make the guests get all out up with emotion. So, it's not, I wouldn't say probably the most official advice, but it's been an unconventional way that we found a kind of balance that has helped us to be able to balance that because a part of it is that you want to enforce your rules because if not, you get too lax and things happen. But the other part of it is also make sure you keep a good profile and good review so people will come back. That, and then also what I want to go off of what Brian said is, to be honest, um, I, well, I don't know how it is for other hosts, but for both Toro and Airbnb, when people smoke, they know they smoke. Um, they're usually quick to pay that fee. If you have any pushback, it's probably because they tried to spray it down with something or they tried to, like, get the smell out. And they're like, oh, I didn't smoke. Usually you won't have a problem. But I do the exact same thing Brian does. I actually message them an hour before they leave. And I say, hey, as your stay comes to an end, um, yada, yada, yada. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, Airbnb reviews are like trust builders. So if you could, you know, just leave us a five-star review, that would be great. And let us know, you know, what you like about the place, yada, yada, yada. Um, we send it twice within uh, 15 hours, 15 to 24 hours. Usually they write the review by then. Then if you want to go ahead and mention the smoking, you can after they write you the review. 
Um, Because they know. Usually they write you your review back because they think you can see the five-star review because they know that you know they smoke. Um, But if you do get a bad review, let me tell you how to respond to it because sometimes it's just inevitable that you will get that bad review from that one person who just smoked and yada, 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 right? So what you do is I have this hate method. It's T-A-I-P. It stands for you need to thank the guest, thank them for their time for taking, you know, thank them for like taking the time off to write the review acknowledge what they're going through you know although you know they are in the wrong in our in our heads in their head they're not so just acknowledge what they're going through tell them how you're going to improve or implement for the next time and then go ahead and press that publish button now i know please like please 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 do not respond when you're emotional i'm saying it again don't respond when you are emotional because you might end up making a mistake and your future guests will see that so make sure you say, hey, thank you so much, you know, for taking the time off for, for writing this review. I hear what you're saying. Um, you didn't smoke, yada, yada. Um, you know, in the future, we'll make sure to make it very, like, very clear in our in our rules that smoking is not allowed. Again, thank you. That's simple. I hope that answers your question, Andrew. Oh yeah, uh, thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks a lot, uh, Sierra. Um, yeah, that's actually something that that I I do. I try to um, I definitely try to get them to review as as quick as possible. Um, but just sometimes, you know, you got to get that resolution in before three o'clock, before that next per- three or four, whenever your second time is, before that next person comes in. So um, so like what I did, I actually, I actually like told them. I know this is probably like stupid, but it worked. Um, I noticed that this worked like the last few times I did it. Um, I actually would like call them because I'm always building rapport with like my guests and stuff. So like um, I would just call them um, like as soon as I get in the property and like I'll thank them for their stay or whatever. Like here we saying basically just like, you know, um, thank them for their stay and, and whatnot. Um, and then I would just tell them about uh, the smoking. And if they try to deny it, I just basically like ignore it. And I tell them that they left the house really clean and stuff, um, except for the smoking. And um, and I'll let I'll let them know what the what the resolution process is like. So I'll tell them if they basically if they decline it, I'll still get paid. And they're usually like okay with that. And they'll usually like not get mad. And they'll write me a good a good review anyways. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of times, and it's it's worked for me. But um, I was, I'm I'm happy to hear everybody else's uh everybody else's process too. Hey. Michael, I saw you come off a of mute for a second. Did you have something to add? Yeah, real quick. I mean, this is one of those topics where I feel like a lot of people ask me all the time. They're like afraid to to put in the resolutions because of fear of the bad review. I mean, first off, just just let that go. I mean, even if they write you a bad review. It's not the end of the world. Like Kiara literally mapped out exactly how you respond. So don't let people try and hold you hostage when they break your house rules. The next thing that I would say is <clears throat> one of my VAs used to work for Airbnb and help build up their call center in the Philippines. So he knows the process inside and out. So one thing that we do in our listing description is we map out what the fee structure is for breaking any of our house rules so that it's black and white. And we found that but once we started doing that, if we submitted a claim for smoking or for uh, pets or any other house violations, it was already in our house rules. It was already in our listing a couple times. 
and it just made the process a lot easier. And we found that we would get those resolutions resolved by the guests or by Airbnb directly, just because we had it in our listing. So, you know, if you want your smoking tea to be 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is, put that in your listing description and um, it'll help you during that resolution process. Yeah, and then also, Michael, you know what else? It kind of keeps the bad people out. My husband always says, like, if someone smokes and they're complaining about the car smell like smoke and whatever it may be, when people are looking in the future, if they are smokers, they're not going to stay there. Well, you would hope they don't. They probably won't. Great feedback, guys. Brian, I saw you come off mute. Did you have something to add? Oh, yeah. And the other thing is just you got to make sure you enforce your rules. Because if not, lackadaisical things will happen and it causes uh, other issues down the line. Because you have one guest who smokes, you feel free, you're afraid of the review, like Michael said, but you need to not be fearful. And it may cause other reviews where people say, well, this place smelled like smoke and yada, yada, yada. And you actually had a chance to really enforce it, get the money that you need, maybe to pay somebody to uh, come in and use like an ozone machine to be able to clear out the room. So. Just don't feel don't feel the fear of enforcing rules. Remember, this is a business, not a hobby, so that you have to operate as such. And if somebody breaks the rules, you got to enforce it. And I wanted to see if I can maybe add on to that. Um, I've had this experience. I've done Airbnb for quite some time at a brand new property. They're the very first guest staying in there, and they smoke. Um, if they leave you a bad review and it's irrelevant to the overall stay, or if it is something breaking your rules. Call Airbnb. Um, I've done this twice, actually. The review was irrelevant to the overall stay. They were just being negative because they did get in trouble for smoking, and they removed it for me. Again, that happened twice. So any of the negative reviews, if it is ugly or not pertaining to the overall stay. Hey, right? what do you tell them? Because I I actually have that problem, too. They don't remove mine. What, What do you actually tell them to get them to remove it? I was just going to chime in. This is Elliot here. I'd say I have two specialties. One is revenue management. The other is getting reviews removed. There are very tight criteria to do it. And the um, spaghetti method, throw it at the wall, seems to work. You know, keep trying. If you don't get a case manager you like, keep going at it, keep going at it, keep going at it. But um, the, the things that you need to appeal to are relevancy, like mentioned earlier, or bias. So the guest did something naughty, you caught them, you filed a claim. That's all evidence against this guest doing bad stuff. And if they leave a bad review, then you can have it nixed for being biased. And there's a variety of things that you can look through the content of what reviews and what general content is allowed on Airbnb and use that as your weaponry to attack those bad reviews and remove them. I cleaned up a pretty ugly 4.6 account um, after about two years into a Superhost account last uh, last quarter. And that was just going back in the last three quarters to see what bad reviews we could remove. And after weeks, sometimes revisiting reviews that were almost a year old, we eventually got them removed. And there's more leniency, I can tell you that from experiencing conversations with our account manager from Airbnb, they are becoming a little bit more host friendly in this department. So keep at it, don't give up. And go back and cleanse your account. 
great advice. And Riley, I know you, that you um, got cut off before you could answer Kiara, but I'm sorry, Kiara, but um, did you want to finish your comment? Um, this is Virginia. Can I just chime in and say that, you know, if you had a Sentinel device for $259, you would have proof of smoking in your unit. And from our customers, we've never had anyone who hasn't had Airbnb support that with that documentation. And I'm glad you said that. I'm sorry, Lorena. I'm sorry. I, I will come to you just in one second because I also had somebody DM me and say, um, Virginia, they didn't know how to get in touch with you. Could you spell out your website for everyone? Sure. It's Eritas, A-R-E-T-A-S dot C-A. And the product is called Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. Perfect. Thank you. And Thank you. Lorena, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier. Go ahead with your question. No, that's quite, quite okay. I wanted to add on to that about having reviews removed. One of the things that we have to do as hosts is make sure that you know and understand those review guidelines front, back, and center. We have had several, we have had the ability to have several reviews removed using those guidelines. Um, we've had guests, you know, same kind of situation. They were sour about whatever. And they make a review and they're talking about the neighborhood and the neighbors and all of these different kinds of things. All of those are grounds to have um, those reviews removed. To, um, you know, go to different um, customer service reps, but they will be removed. Um, the other thing that I wanted um, to add in terms of... Um, in terms of, what was it? Andrew had been talking about like, you know, this resolution center thing. So one of the things that we have done was before that three o'clock next check-in, we would call Airbnb and let them know like, hey, listen, we've just had this guest check out. They've created X amount of damage in the unit. We want to put it on record that we will file a claim, but we want to wait until that 14-day review period because we're afraid of a bad review. And we have had the rep take everything down, put it on record, and when that review period is over, we would file that claim and Airbnb would honor it. Great tips. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's some, you guys are giving a lot of good content tonight. I'm very excited. Um, Riley, I'm, I want to give you one more chance to come back in if, if, you're, if your connection is more stable. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I just got another property out of town, so <laughs> traveling is not working out in my favor. But um, I had heard part of the question. Um, if you could repeat what the question was. I have lost it since then. I think how, how to go about removing the um, reviews for me. Was that the overall yep. question? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, in this particular case, there was a few, but in this case, um, there were extra damages. There was like vandalism, a few other things that had gone on on the property. So once all of that was taken into consideration, I filed a police report that easily removed it in this case. Um, but the, the other one was small. I had somebody make kind of crazy comment saying, well, there wasn't this on the, the property or the, the garage, garage when it's not listed at all to the property so once i was like you know she's mentioning things um that have no relevance to it it's simply lists 
that I don't even offer this at the property, they were easily able to remove it. So they, they kind of took it down from there. And it was pretty simple. It takes a little bit of time. They probably bounce you around to a couple different representatives. Um, but as long as you respond to them in a timely manner, they pretty much get it taken care of. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. Um, we had a couple people join us. So I want to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves before we move to the next topic. Kedra, am I saying your name correctly? Uh-oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, you're saying it right. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, tell us what you do, who you are. Um, so hi, guys. I'm Kedra. I'm out of Houston, Texas. Uh, full-time, I'm a national account manage- manager. Excuse me. I manage a commercial uh, portfolio um, commercial real estate portfolio for their fire protection and part-time I am building and scaling my um, Airbnb rental arbitrage business. I actually got started about, uh, I want to say four months ago, four or five months ago. Um, and I just made super host. So I'm definitely um, scaling. I just got my other unit today. Um, and yeah, I do. Um, I'm actually building a course right now to help other people to uh, start Airbnb. Cause I feel like it's super easy um, and some people just complicate it. I don't feel like it's that complicated, but, um, yeah, just thanks for bringing me up. I'm here if anybody has any questions. Um, and yeah, thank you. Terrific. Thank you. And TJ. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Man, listen, apologies for my tardiness. I had just got done with my master class. Um, it went amazing. I actually was kind of blown away. We had over like the Zoom, the, the, the webinar couldn't handle the amount of people that was in the room. So some people couldn't even get into it. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but it went great. And so apologies for my targets again. My name's TJ. I'm here in Houston, short from investor. Uh, this is one of the business I love to do. Uh, I'm a landlord host and a rental arbitrage host. So yeah, just here to add value, man. And big shout out to Noble for this amazing room. Um, big shout out and, and, and big shout out to everybody that's here. I've, I've had the opportunity to grace the stage with every single person on here. I'm telling you, for the audience members, you are in great hands. I'm just here to add value. So appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you, TJ. We've been in a lot of rooms together. I always learn so much in all of our rooms. So I'm happy that you're here. Noble, I want to hand it over to you for a second before we move to our next subject. Subject. Thank you, Brittany. I, I appreciate you more than you know. Uh, this is our launch. Um, you are the master moderator on Clubhouse, so uh, you're doing a stellar job. I appreciate it. Uh, but I just want to take a quick moment just to um, thank all of the moderators um, that are coming into the room, giving value, dropping gems. Um, I appreciate every one of you. Um, uh, just uh, uh, keep in mind that this, this, this room is uh, A to Z. I think we're literally on C. So, uh, you know, don't 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 hate me if we break this up into parts. Um, you know, I, I, I want to uh, go as long as we can. But I understand um, that, you know, uh, uh, Miss Brittany does not have all night to uh, to moderate the room for me. But um, keeping it going, I just wanted to say I thank you. And we're going to be doing some giveaways later on. Uh, also, um, you know, we'll be making some announcements um, as we move through a little bit about um, how you can access this recording. So just stay tuned for that. Perfect. Um, and you're right. I, I can't moderate all evening. I, I, when I first got onto this app, I literally was on here all day, every day. And I had to scale back and be reasonable with myself. So um, I'm, I gave myself two hours, um, at which time I will hand it over to you, Noble, and I will like put my away 
icon or whatever up, but I'll probably pop back in later. Um, I did have a question actually before uh, before we move to this next topic. When you are scaling up your Airbnb businesses, do you put them under one LLC or multiple LLCs if you are doing Airbnb arbitrage? I, I'm I'm a fairly certain you should put them under separate air separate LLCs if they are separate properties that you own. But if you are doing arbitrage, how have people been navigating that? Well, for me, I actually just used one um, LLC. Um, when I was doing wholesaling, I did use a separate one, but um, for my arbitrage units, I just used one LLC. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, I can pick you back on was that. Was that the question, Britt? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. My, go, my go, question go ahead, to Brittany. Go ahead, go ahead e. My question to Brittany was mostly to understand what what is the reason for the question. Like, are you asking for legal purposes, insurance purposes? What is? So for for all of the above, basically, what are what's the best practice when doing our Airbnb arbitrage method? For anybody who doesn't know, that's basically when you um, you like rent. You know what? Let me. I don't even know if I'm explaining this right. I'm not an expert, y'all. I'm just a moderator in this room. But basically, how I understand it is Airbnb arbitrage is when you rent a unit from like an apartment building and you use that unit as your Airbnb. And so my question is, obviously you don't own it, but if something were to happen, like we were just talking about someone shattering glass and their arm getting cut, if all of your Airbnb units are under one LLC, that would that would expose your, your income from every Airbnb unit to that one incident, right? So like from a legal perspective, from a liability perspective, I'm thinking everything should be in a separate LLC, but should it? I, I'm not an arbitrage person. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to jump in real quick, uh, Brittany, because that's an excellent question. I'm going to ask TJ actually if he can find Dante out in the ethos and try to ping him into the room. Uh, he's an attorney uh, and he's been helpful in giving advice in that regard. Uh, you know, I'll just chime in and say, you know, we've, we've done uh, the rental arbitrage model and um, we're in Texas. So we're a little bit unique. Texas offers what's called a series LLC. And so in a series LLC, um, it's actually, it, you, you have uh, your main, your, your first LLC, and then you have, you can create as, as many sub LLCs under that one. Now, the first one is not necessarily a parent, um, but it just creates a series of LLCs, each one that behaves and acts independently of the other. And so uh, for us, so we have the front facing brand LLC. We have another LLC in the series that as uh, over the intellectual property. We have another LLC in the series that is for um, payroll for W-2s, 1099s. And then we have yet another LLC in the series. And uh, I can't even remember right off the top what that one's for. But but the, the point is, is that um, uh, we do that for, uh, you know, 
protection and isolating those different spaces out. So say that if a, a 1099 person falls and they, you know, they wanted to sue, well, you know, they, they can't touch the, the IP. They can't touch the front facing brand. Uh, they can't touch the other one is the operational brand that holds the assets. So we have one that holds assets. So they can't touch any of those components um, except for the one that um, they're being paid through. And so, um, so we, we're real bullish about, um, setting up your entity, um, specific to, uh, the, you know, the business that you're running. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's kind of where we're set, how we're set up. Hey, Noble, do you, um, so is it, do you put a, do you put each arbitrage unit under a different series or is it still just one of the series under all your arbitrage units? No. So great question. So, um, in the past we've had, um, the, uh, all of the units basically under one in under one in that series. Um, however, um, because we're going to be transitioning in, into getting into trying to do some international stuff, um, we're going to break those up and, and segment those. Um, and they'll be spread under probably two or three different, uh, LLCs in that series. Um, so yeah. No. I was going to tap in on that. Um, again, uh, we're not, we're not, I try to bring Tay in here, but uh, he's, he's not tapping in. But um, for, for me, I have a different entity that owns all my assets. Uh, each asset owns, you know, has its own entity. And then um, I have a different entity that doesn't own any asset. In fact, it's not tied to anything other than being the face of my short term business. So this is the one entity that's on all the leases. That's, you know, yeah, that's pretty much the on all the leases, essentially. So, um, so that's kind of how, how I have it kind of, kind of broken up. So my understanding, I could be very wrong again, consulting an, an attorney. Uh, to my understanding, if you're, if, if, you know, that entity doesn't own anything and you can put, use that same entity for your, all your rental arbitrage, is what I do. Now, especially we talked about this yesterday too, how if you are looking to get, to a different market, though, for the market that you're in, that you live in, then you probably need to form another entity and designate it as a foreign entity so you could, you know, so you can actually be in another market. So that's the, so when I branch out to another market, that's what I plan on doing, forming another entity for that market, essentially. Yeah, so basically, I was going to say, TJ, that's exactly what we did, but let me tell you something. Um, we, we act, I had a client who went through the exact same thing. She had a series LLC. Um, it was separated like yours was noble, but it didn't necessarily protect her. The lawyers were still able to like touch those other pieces. Um, and then also you have to think about like this. I always say this, if someone trips over and like breaks their toe and all your money is going into one account from an accounting perspective, they can take all your money in your business if they wanted to, they can go after it. Sorry, they can't take it, but they can go after it really. Um, and again, this is not legal advice, but coming from like a tax perspective and like, I guess accounting perspective, I would probably put like no more than three or four. So we have multiple LLCs for that purpose. Um, I hope that answers your question, but yeah, you be very careful. Make sure you're talking to a lawyer to figure out and find out if a series LLC is good for you because you might only have three or four. You could probably put all three or four of those under there, but if you got like 20, 30, you gotta be very, very careful. So speak to your lawyers, y'all. Excellent yeah, point. I, I can't second that enough. Like it's definitely lawyers are worth the money. And when it comes to this, you have to spend the money um, because you just don't know. 
Uh, another thing to consider, obviously, this is also not a legal advice, but also understand that there is very limited, um, very limited benefit for you to open an LLC if you are limited, if you are single person. Because if it's a single person LLC, it's, it's really just a sole proprietorship. So you're not really protected because anybody can look through it and see that it's just you under an LLC, right? So really going to speak to a lawyer and understanding that. And the other big thing is getting a nice umbrella policy, a nice umbrella insurance policy to really kind of protect yourself. That's another big, big factor. But go speak to the lawyer and have them help you understand, okay, even if you are a single person, how can you create your partnership through the use of limited partnerships and general partnerships within the LLC to really protect your assets? Because if you keep opening LLCs, but you're the only person in it, any lawyer that's actually worth, worth their weight, they'll be able to see that it's just you. It's not a limited partnership, right? LLC stands for limited liability partnership, right? So like, if you're a single person, anybody can see that and they can come after you because they know it's just you. So that was just my two cents. Now I want to offer that um, asset protection is crucial and I am definitely not a lawyer. So just like Kiara and Emmanuel mentioned, um, follow up with your a lawyer in your local jurisdiction, right? Because things can change vary from state to state. But um, I will say that based on what Emmanuel said, um, but I've come across some people have given someone else that's significant in their life about 5% interest just so they're not a sole member LLC, so they're a multi-member LLC. If you give someone 5%, um, that might not even be like a huge compensation component or maybe not compensation at all, but just at least that amount of um, stake or interest in the company could be helpful. And then that person that's significant to you, you know, arguably if you get with a tax professional in your jurisdiction, when you do meetings with them, that could be a business trip or a business meeting when you go out to dinner with them and stuff like that. So look into those kinds of things. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, can I say something else? Are you here? Can yeah. I say something else about that? Um, make sure if I mean I can't give legal advice on here, but make sure if you are writing off emails, you keep every receipt and you also create um a calendar invite to whoever you had lunch with. Um, do that because when you get audited, you gotta have all that stuff. Absolutely. Well, okay. um, first of all, there were a lot of moderators here um, and speakers that have given value insights that have lots of experience. Um, everybody on the stage is, is profound. I've seen them in other rooms and things like that. So if you got value from this whole entire room, please do press the plus button to your bottom right and add two to five people to this conversation that will greatly benefit from this insight. We want to be communal and help everybody else um, get the same leg up that we are and the information that doesn't get taught in school. We get taught perpendicular bisectors and stuff like that in school and not you know the stuff that really matters. So add two to five people in, follow any of the moderators who you feel who have given you value, um, reach out to them um, respectively on, on anything that you need a hand up on. And um, I would actually also like you guys to um, screenshot the stage and share it with your timeline to say that I've got a lot of insight from here. Um, and lastly, if you hit that house at the top, that green house, you can get notified whenever um, the person here starts other rooms and things like that. So follow all, hit that house, screenshot the stage, share, add people to the room, 
that's what I would um, kindly ask of you guys, if that's okay. Perfect. And that actually segues into resetting the room. So like Hannibal said, um, and, and I always have a little bit of a different take on why you should ping people in the room. We had some great questions already. Um, and so I want to encourage you all to continue to add people into the room because someone is going to have a question that you didn't even know that you had. And when they ask, it is going to greatly benefit you and everybody else here. Um, so, you know, definitely pin people into the room, encourage this interaction and this growth. I think we're, I don't think we've even made it through B yet, the letter B. We've just, <laughs> we went through A, we did some, some B stuff, but I don't think we're even done because I think Burr, the Burr strategy is next. But, um, which I want to recommend TJ take that on because he's awesome at that. But I, I cannot stay. <laughs> um, I will probably pop back in because if y'all are trying to go to Z, y'all are going to be here until tomorrow. Um, but I appreciate you so for asking me <laughs> to be here. Um, I've had, I've learned a lot and I've had a great time with you all. Um, please connect with your moderators, guys. Please feel free to connect with me. I'm happy to connect you to any resources that you might need. Um, and don't forget to follow the hospitality cash flow room so that this hallway, your hallway, will pop with more content like this. Um, I think that's I think that's all. Noble, I'm handing it, I'm handing it over to you. Well, Brittany, hey, thank you so 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 much um, for uh, just making the first uh, this the first part of this room run so smoothly. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if it's against clubhouse policy, but I just sent you a tip. Anyone else who feels compelled to do that, uh, you know, feel free to tip, uh, Brittany, um, you know, a, a few bucks, uh, through her cash app, Thank which is in her profile. Um, that I really has been my favorite moderator, one of my favorite moderators of all, all time on Clubhouse, for sure. Thank you, guys. That's so nice of you. I really do enjoy it. I really love to learn, and I love making sure that everybody in the room is learning. So thank you. I really appreciate that. That's really kind of you. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we look forward to bringing you part two of Airbnb A to Z Q&A the hospitality room clubhouse live recording thanks for listening to the show tune in next week to learn more about using real estate for hospitality cash flow if you received value from this episode please leave a rating and review this helps the show reach more listeners we truly appreciate your support